0: Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Today's video is all about working with a builder when you're doing a refurb. Now, the reason I brought Andy on to the interview, onto the call today, is that he's been overseeing our latest five-bed refurb in Stoke. So you were down there this morning, weren't you? Yep doing a site visit and checking up on on the the development and checking up on the progress. And I thought it would be useful to share with you some of the things we've learned in working with builders. Um, And please do feel free to comment and to uh, add your own thoughts as well, because uh, this is a collective. Uh, We don't have all the answers. And I'm sure that you have got some very useful experiences of working with builders um, that may have informed what you're doing at the moment. So what um, I'd like to do is is really ask Andy, who's more the one who's now managing our builds and our our refurbs, uh, some of the things he's learnt and also just to point you to some other resources to help you if you're either starting a refurb or you're new to working with a builder or you are starting to look at choosing a builder for your next refurbishment project. Okay. So Andy, um you, you've done quite a few refurbishment projects now, haven't you?
1: Probably about fifteen or, or twenty, I think. We're certainly certainly coming up in that number. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And you got involved once you'd left your job to that join is me true. In the business. Very, very right. And before that, what did you do for your
1: job? I was a program manager for mostly for large banks, so financial institutions and making sure that their programs were kept on track and quite a lot of time, making sure that programs that had fallen off the railway line were put back on correctly in the train ran.
0: <laughs> and did you find that that um, sort of program, project management, you've been able to transfer into a, a refurbishment project?
1: Yes, because the process is always the same. The process is, essentially is, a, is about not firing the starting gun until you're very clear on where you actually want to move to so you're at point a now Mm -hmm. you're going to go to point b but that might sound easy but you need to understand very clearly what is point b and have a rough idea of how you will get to point b as well
0: yeah okay i see
1: so it's a very translatable thing because with a refurb you typically start with a hellhole (laughs) and or maybe not with a hellhole but usually it's a it's a house that will require a degree of change, usually quite a high degree of change. And then it's about defining what the end state is and working backwards. So It's a very translatable skill.
0: So in your experience, do many builders have that skill?
1: Few do, in my experience. Some, some do, but mostly there are issues working with builders as a, as a project or programme manager in this role.
0: And so how do you overcome that?
1: By generating clarity typically we, we all like to get clear about the world that's that's a natural state of the human being so bringing lots of clarity in order to the work schedule that's how you guide the builder
0: so let's say you've not got you know industry experience or work experience of project managing in the way that you did before you came into the to, to the, the the business how could somebody else do you think it's possible for somebody else without that experience to to manage a builder
1: yeah absolutely Uh, of course it is so really the most important tool in any uh, in any uh in any of these refurbs has been the initial document i i know i've said this before and we've explained it a number of times but i think it stands repeating that the third, the first thing you must have is a description a very very detailed description of the end point of the refurb so it that document and it can be formatted a number of ways we have a template that we a standard template that we work to but it must describe the in a great in, in really a, a, a depressing amount of detail in some way what color the skirting boards are going to be what kind of taps are you going to have in the bathrooms what color the walls are going to be How are you going to develop the kitchen in 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 lots and lots of detail? And and this is this is about a twenty page document. It's Mm. very unfortunately. This is the specification. It's a specification document. Unfortunately, it's very very boring. And in in my experience, um, that's where a lot of rookies go wrong because it's too boring. That that document takes. I think it's seven or eight hours of, mm. of focused concentration mm. to go through every single section and go, well, what, what actually do we want on the floor? What, what's going to happen with the ceiling in the mm. ensuite bathroom in the third bedroom upstairs? It's quite dull. But once you've actually got that document, and then you should walk away from it for a day and then come back to it and do another revision and then, if necessary, follow that again. But once you have that... Now, it's a case, obviously, of handing that to the builder um, and making sure that they, in a nutshell, adhere to to what's in that document. And that sounds incredibly easy, but it's actually not. I mean, nearly every project I've worked on, there's a phone call from the builder that says, I know your specification says you'd like carpet on the floor, but what about lino? And usually the answer is from me, I'll I'll take a range check. Thank you very much. I just want what's <laughs> in the specification. Or they might they might have a really good idea.
0: Yeah. They so might, so you never know. Okay. So it sounds like it's that it's the same old sort of five P's, isn't it? Perfect uh, preparation prevents poor performance. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's all about that preparation stage, and it is difficult, I think, if you're new to doing a refurb because you don't always know what uh, what what exact look or or finish you're looking yeah. for. You know, you haven't maybe ever experienced it or seen it. So you might be actually but, but learning that, as well.
1: But that is where the value of your package comes in your mentoring package comes in because you have got a a team of people here who have done this and you've got a huge number of documents to explain what's been done in the past you know you if if people are asking your your group there'll be umpteen opinions about what you know what kind of floor covers you would want how you would deal with a leaking roof how many en-suites you might want to put into a building to make it economic these these are real questions yeah. we know this yeah. and and in some ways there are no um there, there are no definite answers it no. comes down to judgement and,
0: and opinion, opinion. And, and the market but it, that's right
1: but in, but in in drawing together the opinions of the people who you work with I think that can be a real that, how how I learned because when I did the, did this for the first few iterations um we didn't have your your mentoring program wasn't running wasn't going no, at that no, time no so what I did and and you as well we just visited a lot of houses didn't we yeah, we, we yeah, visited lots and lots of houses not necessarily some HMOs some non-HMOs show homes yeah. and thought oh you know I like what's on the floor I don't like the lighting yeah. uh, I like what you did with the plug sockets I'm a bit worried because you put the TV too high up on the wall all these things Take, you know, we're in an ama- amazing age of technology. Take hundreds of photos, refer back to them and yes. go, yeah, well, the TV was too high, weren't enough plug sockets. Bed, bed out- was too
0: big for the room.
1: A- the outside looked very drab, you know, whatever it's going to yeah, be. Yeah. And, and, and quite simply, that's when you have to marshal your expertise in the English language to take your opinion about what was wrong. You know, I like the front door, Okay. You know, let's describe how the exterior of the building is going to look. We're going to have a UPVC, co- sorry, composite red wooden red door. Yeah. Write it down. And that way, if the builder tries to put a white UPVC one on, you say, well, yeah, but that wasn't what was in the spec. Okay.
0: It's so, that kind of thing. Okay, so, so that does cover a little bit about the project management. So so what you're saying is that anybody who doesn't currently have experience in project management can do this if they're working with a builder. Yes. But they have uh, to be very organised. Particularly the support of
1: your group as well. I, I yeah. think get, getting that support, because there are difficult... I mean, there are questions that come up that are harder. You know, the, the whole... You and you know, as well as I do, the water pressure question. You always start, start to put <laughs> yes. a lot of... Back <laughs> into a building and somebody always comes up and says, oh, I won't water pressure. Now, I'm not going to go into the details here, mm. but there are tried and trusted techniques for dealing with that Wendy can share them with you in the mentoring group, or or I can if you get in touch with me. It's really not very hard. And then somebody always pops their, hand, their head up and says, oh, well, the hot water tank won't be big enough. And We've been through this, you know, we, you and I spent about a day on our doorstep chatting with a plumber one time, didn't we? You just mm. seemed to want to go around in circles about hot water tanks. Mm. You don't need to because we have the experience and yes. your group has the experience.
0: So... Just to uh, those of you who might have just joined us, we're talking about how to deal with a builder, how to work with builders on your refurb project. Um, A tool that you will have access to is this fantastic document which is called nine top tips for working with a builder and you can download this from the teachable site um, so that's a really useful nine top tips to download and have a little look at that i'm not going to go through all of that today um, but you can go and go, go away and read that yourself so, Andy, I'd just like to ask you a few more questions, though. So for people who are maybe in the middle of a refurb at the moment and things aren't quite going to plan or, uh, you know, they, they they started off with confidence working with their builder and the builder was great, but things have kind of gone a bit awry so you know maybe maybe things are a bit slower than they should be or costs are increasing or the builder isn't communicating as well as they did can you give us some suggestions as to how to bring those projects back online again
1: the the usual tool in any project is a risk and issues log so and, and those are two separate things by the way so at the start of a project you would you would make a note of all of your worry beads if you like about a project that they, they will go on your risk log um, and then you would have an issue log of things that are, are actually Becoming a problem on the project and it, the first thing is get them written down. So you don't forget about them They need dealing with so, so what do
0: you what, what's the difference between a risk and an issue then can you describe? What yes, you mean? absolutely.
1: So so a risk would be something perhaps you identify near at the start of the project, but it can be at any time um, and it could be there is a risk that um, the first floor bedroom might fall into the lounge because we've discovered that the original construction of the house is suspect that's a very strong risk on a project it's, it's a real worry or that the floorboards the, are, the floor are not with, right or um, woodworm, woodworm or whatever yeah. now, that's a risk isn't it because yeah, yeah. the structure of the building is at threat yeah so but it might not come true it might be that once you bring a structural engineer in he might go oh no no but don't worry about that because they put this concrete beam in up the other end of the room and it doesn't matter So that would be how you would address that risk, is by bringing in a professional and saying, am I worrying about nothing? Or a builder. I mean, this is a rather extreme case, but that's a risk. Well, yes,
0: and hopefully if you've you've got a survey, some of those risks will be either crystallised, because the surveyor will say, yes, you do have woodworm and you need to deal with it, or they'll say everything is fine. Absolutely. So the survey is a very useful tool, isn't it, when you're buying the property to, to, to kind of identify what those risks are. But, I mean, you could go so far as to say, well, the risk is that there's, the house is going to be bombed and it's there's, going to be blown to smithereens. There's, there's always <laughs> How lists? many do yeah. you actually you, you, you <laughs> list? Don't, no, you don't, you don't need to risk all. You
1: don't need to list every single one. or That's Just good. ones <laughs> that you think are you know, within range, feasible to happen, and then typically you will tag them with a likelihood um, out of 10, and an and impact. And impact, so that's a risk. But an issue which I think is more akin to what you were describing is something that that has actually happened. So you've gone on site and you have found that all the electricity has been cut off to the building, and now the builder can't work. Or the issue is the builder has just informed you that there's going to be an unexpected fifteen thousand pound overrun on costs because he forgot to tell you that he's everyone's working on double rate because of COVID nineteen or something. Yeah okay. something like that. That's okay. a real issue. It's apparently going to happen. You're going to either either accept that issue. That's a, that's a perfectly legitimate um, response mm-hmm. to an issue. Mm-hmm. We accept it. OK, I'll pay 15. If you have money bags. Who cares? Pay fifteen thousand <laughs> pound more, move on.
0: And we do know some people who've done that, by the
1: way. Well, and and, and, and <laughs> wouldn't also,
0: recommend it, but all, it has also happened. if the
1: if the project is advancing very very fast and you're going to be going into a market where there's absolutely hot demand for the building, you might think, well, I don't really care. I'm going to make twenty thousand in the first month of rent, so who cares? Yeah. So there's always different responses to issues, um, but have the issue logged? Um, and then you must decide the response. Usually, with a, with a cost overrun, which is very typical with builders, the way to deal with it is is not. I would suggest not on site. I would suggest get an appraisal on site, meet the builder on site, understand why the costs have gone higher. But then, usually, my approach is always let's sit down somewhere off site, Starbucks, Costa, and have a negotiation. Ultimately, if that builder is going to say I'm not, I'm downing tools. Um, uh, until you pay me some more money than what was originally agreed I call that breach of contract so now there's a conversation to have about whether you want to carry on with somebody who's unprofessional like that um, or you might accept it or you might decide to negotiate and split the difference there's um, you might decide that there are trimmings that you can make somewhere else you can save money by laying a cheaper floor or not fixing the roof at this time. But, you know, There's usually a negotiation to have mm. about all those issues. Um, and plus there's room for creativity as well. You might say, well, I don't know what the answer is. Let's bring in a colleague, friend, see, see what they think.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing is, from my experience, generally we've never had some very, very serious problem with a builder. Maybe once we have. I won't name the project, but there was one. In that direction, yeah, yeah, that yeah, did yeah. go quite horribly wrong because yeah. the builder himself went through some very difficult uh, marital problems, and he. Yeah, I, know of, the, I know the
1: project you're talking about. He yeah. kind of
0: fell apart, didn't he, midway? Yeah. Having said that, we still did get it over the line. I know it's quite stressful for you managing mm-hmm. it, but we did get mm-hmm. it over the line. Actually, the the build cost was still pretty reasonable, but it mm-hmm. just took a lot longer. And it's that whole project triangle of time, quality, and cost that you've got to constantly balance, haven't you? Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that one of the, um, you know, one of the experiences we've had quite regularly is where builders will take a little bit longer or they'll want to put up their fees or perhaps no, not I wouldn't say fees, but add extra charges. Mm-hmm. They have found extra things that they want to then charge us for. And I think that's when it's worth taking a step back. As you say, having a meeting off site, it might have to be Zoom in, in these yep, current situations
1: true. Um, true, or a, or a
0: video conference and calmly discussing it with the builder and taking some time out to evaluate it mm-hmm. analyze it before you then start to negotiate and compromise because it can be very easy in the heat of the moment to be on project at the site and, and negotiating and that is not a useful environment because you're, you neither of you are in that kind of calm neutral environment where you can discuss it calmly and understand each other's point of view are you
1: precisely um I I wouldn't want to to disagree with anything you have said there. I think it's perfectly right. Um, they're all look pro- projects are, are called projects for a reason. They you know they have risks attached to them. There are always going to be these challenges that come along. You have to just face them, and deal with them as best as you can. As you know, in in the projects that we run, in. Um, block black letters at the top of the document says if there are going to be any time or cost overruns on this project, they must be dis- discussed and agreed up front. Yeah. Before so it's a I mean does it always happen? No. We still builders still will we still
0: have surprises from time to time. You'll still get surprises. Mm. But it's
1: about trying to uh, negate the, the chances as much as you can of mm. surprises happening
0: so we are talking about builders and how to manage them and um thank you to very very much thanks to you to andy uh, who's been here today to answer some of my questions and just to chat that through with me if you've got any questions pe- please feel free to put them down below and uh, we'll do our best to answer them this afternoon um, just to remind you that we do have nine top tips for working with a builder, which I will upload to the group as well so you can see that. And that's got some very interesting, if you like, FAQs, some some, f- some frequently asked questions that if you're new to working with a builder, you can pick those off. Um, things like getting references. We would always get references if it was a new builder that we haven't worked with before and checking their qualifications some builders may be surprised that you do that but it's really necessary because because you just like buying a building you want to do your due diligence on a builder as well Um, and there's a number of other questions that you can you can read through on that document so I I hope that helps you um okay so before I don't think we've got any questions at the moment but before we get some questions is there anything else Andy that you would like to say about um uh, working with builders and managing builders any other top tips you can give us
1: Personal relationships, I think, are really important. You know, a lot of people can treat builders really badly. We don't. Um, It's a personal relationship that is business-based. Focus on that and try to communicate regularly, very, very regularly, professionally, not too matey, but value that relationship and it will value you.
0: That's really good. Yeah, I love it. That's that's uh, that's that's absolutely in line with our values. And it's true that I think if you treat others the way you wish to be treated, you may still go through some challenging times, but I think ultimately you can finish the project on a good footing. Shake hands, share a couple of beers, and go home. Yeah. Know that you knowing you've produced a really good uh, shared, you know, an HMO.
1: Even even on the projects where things have gone wrong in the past, and I've said to the builder probably I won't use you again. I've I've been that explicit. But I've explained why, calmly and professionally. And we've shaken hands and said, OK, let's walk away. Um, So, and I think that's really been good because actually, once or twice, I've had to go back to those builders to ask for details about this Mm. on on the previous project. So keeping a professional relationship, not losing your rag. Yeah is really important. And it
0: seems to me that one of the key learnings, this is certainly something I've learned from you, ooh, oh. <laughs> is not, falls off. not dropping my phone. <laughs> so I think one of the things that I, I've learned is um, being really clear up front that this is a contract, that we have certain expectations of the delivery of the contract, and that if there are risks or issues, that the builder cannot just plough on and correct them, expecting us to foot the bill. And I think having that as an explicit agreement at the beginning is vital. And I think what I've heard about some of the mistakes and errors that other people have made mm. is when they have trusted the builder without having an underpinning document or agreement or signature or making what mm. I would call making the implicit explicit.
1: If it, The more you can have written down, the better. But the problem is it's very boring to do it. Yeah. It's 20 pages of A four, at least... Yeah. But you have to do it. Yeah. I'm sorry. There really is no other way.
0: Well, and on that cheery thought, we shall leave you this Thursday afternoon. Perfect preparation prevents pe- poor performance. So, make sure that you uh, you use the uh, the tools, uh, the, the specification of works that we provide on the mentoring programme and, of course, you can ask us at any time any queries or questions that you have about working with builders. But, i'm absolutely confident that if you use this information and apply it you will have some great results from your hmos you will produce wonderful hmos and they will keep to time more or less and more or less keep to budget and you will end up being a happy client and hopefully reusing that builder time and time again so good luck with your refurb projects speak to you soon bye for now thank you for listening to the hmo success podcast